And welcome back to this week's weekly instalment of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's a, well, it's another special, it's always a special episode, but it's another special episode and somewhat saddened episode because we're missing one of the trio. We, we just put the trio together and we're missing one of them. And uh, we're, 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 we're without the great man, we're without, we'll play his music anyway. We're without the great man, Rocket. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about that? Uh, this is your and I first episode uh, just as a dynamic duo. Um, how are you, mate? You well? I'm well, yeah. I was going to say, it is, it's sad. It's a bit weird. When you started talking then and the music was going, I felt like I was listening to a podcast. I nearly forgot to speak. It was, it was a bit weird. Well, Rocket, you will be listening and uh, we wish you uh, all the best and speedy recovery. Not, uh, not so great, but um, mate, enjoy listening to your podcast where you're not part of it. We'll try and do uh, uphold our end of the bargain. Who's going to be the cynical one, uh, Mike? Who takes that job? Is that you or me? We need some recordings of his, <laughs> some saying, some rocketisms so that we could just punch them uh, in here uh, and there. Has Bryson, you know, have we got any Brysonisms? <laughs> have we got uh, rocket, you know, rocketism of the week? Uh, we haven't really planned that far ahead, but no. um, it was only sort of today that we worked out that the great man wasn't going to be part of it. But uh, uh, Rocket, all the best and uh, we'll see you next week. And I do have a special guest for you. He was set up to come on tonight, and uh, I've put him off. I, we were going to bring him on, but uh, no, we couldn't do that to you, mate, because I know that you will want to speak to this man when he does come on. So stay tuned, everyone. We've got a special guest, uh, a surprise guest for Rocket teed up in the wings to come on when Rocket's back joining us. Mike, how's your week been? It's been a good week. been a very busy week uh, selling Tasmania's best cheeses, and um, that, that's kept me very, very busy this week. How is the market? in COVID times for uh, Tasmania's Best Cheese? Tasmania's Best Cheese, King Island Cheese. It's uh, it's it's different. So the company I work for sells a lot of different cheeses, everyday cheese and, and stuff that you might put in your toasties and things like that and pizzas. Um, so that sort of stuff goes a bit crazy when you have the, the uh, panic buying. The stuff that I look after, all the King Island Cheese, Taz Heritage, Mersey Valley, doesn't really sell, doesn't go gangbusters because it's um, it's something that if you're having at home as a treat more than stocking up the shelves in case of emergencies. Um, so it still sells well, but not quite as big as it normally would in, in I would say, the normal times. But um, there's certainly still a lot of people buying um, buying the cheeses to enjoy at home, which is good. Now, you just let us a little bit behind the curtain of uh, Magic Mike's world uh, that you're the purveyor of fine luxury cheeses from the finest part of Australia where the finest golf courses are, um, King Island and Tasmania. That's it. Probably realise that the listeners and, and probably also myself, we probably don't know too much uh, about you, Mystery Magic Mike. Um, let us, it's good good timing. Let, let's talk about uh, the world of Mike. We know you as a golfer. What's your handicap? My handicap at the minute's about 10. I haven't played. My first comp's coming up this Saturday since uh, since much earlier in the year, and it's um, it's been 10 because I've, I've had some problems with the swing as we've been going through. So it's 
sort of always floated around seven, eight, nine for a very long time and hit double figures and it was time to hit the panic stations. Uh, if you ever turn up to a random event and Mike's playing and you get drawn with Mike as your partner, there's always value there, you know, because it's <laughs> 10, you know, there's there's five five shots each side and he's good for several birdies. He might have the occasional blowout, but that's okay because that your job is to compensate for that. But uh, there is plenty of birdies and plenty of points in a four-ball best ball if you get pa- paired with uh, Mike. Where, where did you um, grow up playing golf, Mike? Where, where did golf start for you? Yeah, so I'm, I'm a, a man of the northwestern suburbs. I'm out not too far from Mr. Matthew Mollica, um, just on the other side of the, the, uh, the where the Maribyrnong River is from Matt. Northside um, represent? Northside north posse? represent, Northside posse? Yeah. <laughs> Northside, Westside. Yeah. Um, so I grew up out there and and I didn't play golf as a kid, to be honest. I, I, was, I played a lot of footy um, and I really only started playing golf once I sort of stopped playing footy in my early 20s. So um, public tracks um, around here, not the greatest golf courses, but always a bit of fun. And that was kind of where I grew up. The last probably 10 years, a mate of mine um, started a social group called the Great Men Golf Association. And that's probably been the one thing that I've constantly stuck to and played. And we've had, it's our 10th season coming up. So we travel all around Victoria and play different courses and competition. And that's probably the main time that I play now. So you've never joined a course or a club? Yeah, so I've played out of um, social handicap type stuff out of different courses as my home club. but And for the last probably be north of 10 years now, it's been out of Ainsbury um, out in the West, just purely because it was easy to do and cheap enough that I didn't feel guilty um, not turning up every Saturday or at least having a couple of rounds at my local because for me in this part of the world, there's not too many courses that I thought, oh, do I really want to play there every week? Um, they're not terrible courses. They just weren't something that I, I really like the ability to go and travel down Peninsula and go and play the Dunes or Moon Links or the other side, you know, like you know, Point Lonsdale or Curlew or 13th Beach. And so I figured if I was going to keep doing that, to join a club and um, and the ones that were closest for me are probably Medway or Northern. Um, that they were they were close enough, but they were they ones that I wanted to play every week. Maybe, maybe not. But the biggest thing that probably deterred me was I wanted somewhere that I could go and have a practice on a Tuesday night if I wanted to hit some golf balls after work. I wanted to be able to be ten minutes away. And they're both uh, Medway's probably close enough, but Med, um, Northern's a little bit too far. And Karingle's probably not the other one. It's pretty similar. It's not miles away, but it's probably about 20 minutes, so 25 minutes. So it was always touch and go. So I figured that wherever the wife and I end up buying a, 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 when we move to a bigger place, the local golf course will probably get my business at, at that point. Well, mate, uh, plenty of opportunities down here uh, for living yes. and, and golf down in this part of the world. Um, love you to have – I'd love to have you close by and uh, – 20 minutes, it's 20 minutes to any golf course. All those ones you mentioned, the peninsulas and all that, peninsula links and all the links courses on the peninsula, not peninsula, it's 10 minutes away. But, yeah. but yeah, they're all, it's so good down here, mate. It's, uh, oh, so- I think that's, and that's the biggest thing now with the future is that the way work, work for my world now, I mean, I don't, I haven't been into my office. I've spent three hours in the office, which is in the city since March 2020. So the idea now of moving somewhere, closer to golf courses and having a bit more work-life balance is certainly on the cards. Okay. Well, I'll keep an eye out for you. Now, yeah. mate, um, the Great Men Golf Association, it's one of those uh, groups of social golfers that have grown, not in 
recent times, although the, the people joining those groups is definitely growing because I see that every week. Um, very much, I think in the, in the UK they call them societies. It's a lot more popular or common over there. Popular is probably not the right term, but common where, you know, you'll have several societies that are, have member groups that are attached to a golf club and it's somewhat different to here. We have the social clubs that don't have an attachment to a golf club and then take their social club around different yeah. different venues. Um you know, when you talk about North Berwick, you know, it's obviously like the St Andrews of East Lothian, but they've got the North Berwick Golf Club and then they've got Tantallon and then at Carnoustie there's several golf clubs that sit opposite the – so yeah. it's, it's sort of different. But this social golf club in Australia is really a great avenue for new golfers and I've seen a lot of those guys come to the fore uh, in recent times to, to bring golfers into a club, give, get them a handicap and then get them access to competitive golf club uh, – golf. Um, with a group of group of mates, what what do you see as you know the reasons for success of groups like the Great Men Golf Association, one of the yeah. best with one of the best logos going around, by the way. That's it, the GMGA. Um, probably look, the best part of it is that the boys that started it, Diesel's Diesel Daniel O'Neill's the man who started it, and and his group of mates is like nothing I've ever seen before. There's probably about I think ten or fifteen of them that went to high school together in the same year that are thick as thieves and have been out up to their forties. And that was a really good base for people to get involved. And they're not all golfers, like you said. So some of them just didn't play golf, but it was the idea of getting out and having a bit of fun and and they all got involved from the beginning. And the numbers have probably swelled up to about 40 in the group. And it sort of went a few years either side of that age group at that school. And then there was a few close close schools or mates that played footy together and it grew and grew and grew. But I think it, the, the, it's a balance of having um, a bit of competition um, and something that everyone can get involved in because everyone's got a handicap. You have to go and have go and get a proper handicap to play, but also the camaraderie afterwards. Like we're playing Saturdays out is our open championship, so we're playing Moon and Links on Saturday, and afterwards we've already booked to be back at a pub in Melbourne. So we'll all head there. We'll go, you know, some people will head home and drop the car off and then head in, or just go straight there and leave the car overnight and have a few beers and have something to eat and and you'll get a really good showing. And, and that's probably been the one thing that I think that has kept it going and kept it strong is because everyone gets along. You, you don't have, well, you have a few peanuts, but not too many peanuts in the group. So most everyone just sort of gets along and, and has fun and, and gets involved. And that's the best part about it. And playing different courses is great for people that love golf. I mean, we, 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 we mix up the, um, the rotor every year so we don't play the same courses and it's really good and have you do you find the clubs uh in welcoming groups like yourself because you know they're usually clubs that have members mm. uh, as a base and then yep. you know they, they let and and they have a strong part of their business uh strategy is to have groups like yourself so that you know you're really important to the landscape of a lot of uh golf clubs how do yep. you find the clubs uh you know accepting and welcoming you yeah, no, most of them are really, really good. Um, look, there are some courses that obviously on a Saturday they, they won't let you play, but that's 100% acceptable, or they might let you play after midday or before nine. They'll have some spare tea times, but Sundays you can pretty much play most anywhere. Um, and they do have little benefits. I say this weekend we're playing Moon and Lynx. It's not not a secret. It's on their website. People can see it. It's If you've got a group of 12 or more, the, the the green fee comes down from about $110 to $80, including a cart. That's a pretty good saving and a good, um, you know, a good choice of two, you know, really good courses. Um, and they look after you. So, you know, you get there and, and everything's done and, you know, they're, they're very easy to deal with. And no, there's a lot of courses like that that are, that are really welcoming. Um, I've, I haven't found one yet that just hasn't got no interest at all. Most are, most are really good. So if, if you stumble across uh, this podcast and, you know, golf's a new thing for you and you're wondering how you can do it without having to join a club, 
or you know, you might be able to find a, a social club like the Great Man Golf Association, or like the Princess Hill Golf Club, or like the Parapin Golf Club, or uh, Flexi Golf, another group. You know, a couple of young uh, Melbourneites, but you know, guys that basically ended up here from uh, the UK that wanted to have golf with their mates, and they've still started a what they hope to be a national. Um, club called Flexi Golf. They've got the support of Big Swing Golf and Drummer Golf and all that sort of thing. So they're administering handicaps and doing all of that sort of stuff. Uh, and there's also, you know, existing organisations like Future Golf, been around for um, a, a while. It used to be Gen Y Golf. Ali Tarai uh, was the founder of that, uh, ripping fella. Um, just nominated, not nominated, but just put into uh, the group of, uh, with Golf Digest, the six most influential uh people in golf in Australia. So, you know, there's a whole host of things uh, that you can get involved with. So, yeah. What else, Mike? You played footy. I did. Played, no, not, not professional footy. Just played school footy up until and local footy up until the age of wising up that my body wasn't going to last. So that was, I think, 19. <laughs> uh, key position or, you know, just standing, uh, back, out, standing back out? Back then, I'd be I'd be a massive 5'11", and I think most of the time I played at full back or centre-half back. Okay. Um, now you wouldn't get on a you wouldn't be able to play on a wing in an AFL side at that height. You'd be too short. Um, even the short guys in AFL are six foot. Like yeah, six foot, six foot short. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, is that where the massive calves came from? That's it. That and riding a bike. I used to ride a lot. No, no more. It's um, that's it. No more riding to work. So no more riding. It's a, it's all about golf, and that's it. Rocket's not here to adjudicate the uh, the carve off <laughs> that I, I called on the group. Uh, Rocket, I will announce that you are a, a distant dismal third. <laughs> no, no apologies required. Um, it was definitely out of obviously, therefore, you and myself, Mike, and I'm as a you know the leader of the group. I am going to crown you the chief carve quando um, winner. <laughs> I, was, I was sure you were going to say as the chief, I'm claiming it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm, I don't lead like that. I, you know, <laughs> credit where credit's due and there's some massive bad boys um, down there. Thanks for sharing the photos and you know, a few people, not many, but a few people uh, had a chuckle. I'm sure a few people had a little bit of a vomit but uh, <laughs> there you go. You, yours had size, girth and uh, and a little bit of definition and uh, I think it was the size and the girth that out, def- out Outbid my calves. Um, more definition, I think, um, just not the size. But uh, well done. Thank you, uh, uh, well, Mike. What else can we learn about you? Anything else that we need to need to know? When did you, when did you start uh, keeping stats on golf? Oh, good question. Um, I've been betting golf for I think we talked about it a few episodes ago. It'd be it'd be over twenty years now. Um, and I'm very, very logic driven. I deal with Excel spreadsheets all day and what I do and running numbers and things. And I think I started looking at stats. It'd be a while ago now. It'd be probably 10 years ago, but it wasn't to the, to the, as in depth as I do now. So I probably really started getting in depth about two years ago um, and started pulling together models and, and V lookups and, and running a lot more numbers than I did before, before it was just sort of saying something like, um, you know, Tory Pines is a really long golf course. Who are the longest drivers? Let's go and look at those stats. And I think they need to make some putts. So if I get those two lists and rank them one to 200, and if one guy's ranked number 10 and number 15, I give him a number 25. And then I rank that from one to whatever. And, the lowest numbers, my the guy that I'm betting, and now I've sort of taken that 
about 10 million times further to get a lot more data-driven. I shared with you some of the stats from uh, Xander Shoffley's uh, gold medal winning performances uh, or performance uh, mm. from UpGame. Now, UpGame uh, is, a, I guess, a new stats uh, recording uh, group of people, data recorders that uh, are working with a lot of tour players, um, Lucas Herbert, and I've had uh, Boise from Lucas's team and also from UpGame on the podcast before. They're, they're growing. Um, how did you find their stats from the, their post or their email that they sent out? Is that, is that sort of information helpful to you? Yeah, I mean, that, that effectively what they were looking at there is, is, um, is a key stat or the key type of stat that I'll look at most weeks, and that's what they call strokes gained. Um, no free ads, but there's another podcast called Obviously No Laying Up that a lot of people know. They did a, an interview about a week or so ago with the guy, um, the professor, who basically invented it, and he, he explains it extremely well what strokes gained is. And that's the metric that that most people look at. Um, and I'm going to do it no justice at all, but a very, very quick summary is effectively if, the if the par four averages 4.2 shots and off the tee you put yourself in a position that leaves you from that point needing um three shots then you picked up 0.2 shots off the tee than what the field would be at um and effectively you can look at that in all different spectrums and and why that becomes better is it takes out things like um i always talk about um, how many parts people have Someone might say, how many parts did you have? And you'd be like, oh, I had 25. And people would be like, fantastic. You must have had an amazing score. And it's like, well, no, I, I missed every single green. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I chipped on and a couple of them were close enough to one part. So it doesn't really give you the, the, the true definition of it. Whereas something like um, strokes gained approach um, will give you a better definition of how people are hitting into greens than just how many greens you hit because it's telling you how many um, strokes you're picking up on the field. So, and they're the numbers that you look at. And the ones that you showed for Xander were, were bang on and they lined up really, really well with Paul Sheehan's insight on, on how he thought the course would play because I think a lot of people looked at the Olympic course and said, it's really long. We need to have a look at people that hit the ball long. But it wasn't that. It was about strokes going approach and, and being able to putt. It was the stuff that was going to be accuracy and, and scoring that were going to be key. Well, if you want some more insight into what Mike's just uh told us about and you want to have a look at those stats from Xander Shoffley, you need to go and check out UpGame. Now, if you want to get a little bit more insight into strokes gained and all of that, uh, I guess, data that, you know, you hear people talking about a lot and, you know, Mike sort of lives and breathes by it as, as it's articulated, uh, check out episode 79 of the My Level of Golf podcast with Tom Boys. So uh, it's uh, the episode's titled Tom Boys, Stats Tracking with the Man Who Works with Tommy Fleetwood and Lucas Herbert. And since then, a number of other uh, high-level tour players. So, you know, those guys are, are developing their stats and putting apps in place. So, And I think you can go and get it. You can get a subscription and you can use it yourself. There you go. Um, so thank you, Shia, as well for that uh, feedback. Uh, he did thank us for the feedback and, you know, you were right. That's what happens when you know know your turf and uh, Shia, he knows Japan. No, no one knows Japan like Shia can. He does. I'm, uh, there's there's two things I need to tick, tick off, and that is getting to Japan with Shio and getting to Tara Edi with Shio on one of his tours because they, they both look like amazing trips. Uh, let's talk about amazing trips. We were just sort of talking about it off air and just thinking through the what-if scenarios. I'm not, sure you, I'm not sure if you can put this scenario in a, in a spreadsheet and a what-if uh, calculation there, but 
you know, the what if that we were talking about is what if uh, in November when we both get advised that we've been selected in the ballot for tickets to the 150th Open at St Andrews, what does that look like, Mike? What, what, what if? What if that happens? Are we going? I, I think we're saying before, it's really going to come down to the government and how how easy it is to travel. I think it's going to be one thing to be able to travel. Um, so say they go, yep, no worries. If you're a vaccinated traveller and you're going to cut countries X, Y, and Z and they're all approved to travel to because of their vaccination rates, that's going to be the first hurdle. The second hurdle, in my opinion, is then going to be the cost of the flight because it's going to be supply and demand. And if there's not enough flights and planes travelling around, I can imagine that the, the cost of a seat might be pretty hefty. Um, but if those two things are, are on the right levels, I think that um, it has to be has to be done. You might have to put uh, aside a couple of those sets from Min Wu and uh, <laughs> and Colin and Colin and uh, just uh, pre-allocate it to um, after that time. Yeah, it'd be a great opportunity to go to the 150th Open, and also, you know, for me, I'd probably go to the Scottish Open. We're not sure where that's going to be played. I hope it's at Renaissance again, and I know um, Mr. Savardi will be doing whatever he can uh, to keep it there if he can. Um, and interestingly. They just announced the new schedule and uh, a little bit more information on the alignment between the PGA Tour and the European Tour. A couple of those European events have been uplifted or uprated to PGA Tour status as well, so co-sanctioned. Scottish Open is one of those. Uh, what were the other ones? Was it the Irish Open? The Irish Open's um, doubling the cash. Doubling the cash. Um, so that, that doesn't hurt to get people involved to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other two tournaments are alternate, alternate events over in the US the same week. Oh, yes, so the, bar, the, the Barbasol, that's right. Barbasol, yeah, and um, the Barbasol and there's one more, Barracuda, yeah, which is the one this week. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. I was, I was having a think about it and when they first sort of announced the partnership, it sounded fantastic about, you know, in, in everyone's brain, I'm sure, it was like, fantastic, how good is this going to be? We're going to have the best players in the world travelling between both tours and it's going to be the best of everything. Now when I look at it, I sort of go... Getting money into the the Scottish Open is fantastic. It's going to mean that we're going to get the best players in the world heading there as a as the warm up for the Open. So that's tick for those guys. Now the co-sanctioned events for the European Tour are, are on the same week as that Scottish Open. Yes, back pretty- over in the US. The data. and yep. the week after. Yeah. So what does that do in my mind? As the cynical cynical Mike, I'll I'll, I'll be cynical Rocket for two seconds. Mm. Um. That probably for me helps more the second tier PGA Tour players gain race to Dubai points more than it helps anybody else. So then I sort of see it as, well, is, is that then a free kick for those guys to get status there more than it is for the European guys? Because if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a mid-tier, lower tier European tour player and I'm trying to get a, a crack at the open. Am I going to shoot off the week before to go and play a tournament over in the US for, or for one or two weeks? I don't I don't know that that's going to be easy to do. Yeah. I don't know. It's yep. different. It'll be interesting to see how it works. Yeah, and uh, a few sponsor changes and a few other uh, event and schedule changes. Um, Genesis, the, the car company, have seemed to have stepped into uh, a little bit more uh, sponsorship dollars and splashing mm. that around, which is good to see. And uh, what else? Workday were named in there as one of the – I guess a growing sponsorship or alignment there, and and yeah. anything anything else stand out? The RBC Heritage, uh, RBC uh, Canadian Open will be back, obviously. Yeah, 
Anything else? The only one that stood out was uh, the the way they've structured up the um, the playoffs now. The last three tournaments. So the first tournament was always over at Liberty National, and now they've that's gone. And the FedEx St Jude, which is the tournament this week at Southwind in Memphis, that's going to be the first stop. So that's going to be called the FedEx St Jude Championship. But they're playing for the FedEx Cup. So there's a fair bit of sponsorship money coming in there from uh, from the FedEx guys. So um. Yeah, you can win the FedEx without winning the FedEx Cup by the sounds of it. But um, yeah, there's there's certainly a lot of money coming in for, from a few key sponsors like FedEx and Genesis, Workday. Um, yeah, same names keep popping up. So um, let's go. Let's go back to last week, the Olympics. Mm. I, um, for various reasons, had uh, various things happening in in the world of uh, Rossonomics. Um, didn't watch too much of the Olympics last weekend. Uh, one of those reasons I was celebrating my fiftieth. Uh, yes. I know it's hard to believe, and uh, thank you for Mrs. Rocket again for the little biscuits. I appreciate those. They're all gone. Um, <laughs> send more. All gone. Um, but they were lovely. And Mrs. Muller of Golf sends her thanks as well. She had one uh, because I ate the rest. Uh, the Olympics. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was. Um, I didn't mind it. I did watch bits and pieces when it first started. I was really keen to sit down and watch it, and I sort of had it on in the background and was just keeping track of it. And then it kind of became like every other sport at the Olympics, where they sort of came in and out. And because it didn't, I don't know that it had a dedicated channel. Maybe it didn't. I was, didn't didn't find it. So I kind of was catching bits and pieces here and there more than anything else. Um, and then I caught the playoff on Sunday. So I watched all the playoff on Sunday, which was probably the the peak of it in the end. So playoff was CT Pan. Colin, Rory, and uh, Mito, uh, who's won on the, um, the uh, Hideki tour. And Hideki. Hideki, Hideki. Yeah, Casey and Munoz. Um, so seven-man playoff for, for one medal. Um, and it was funny because I think a lot of it were expecting him to play in a big group of seven, which they didn't do. Um, they played in a four and a three. And so um, I think Rory, Casey, and Hideki, Decky might have been in the second group. So they were kind of watching what was happening ahead. And it was a little bit weird the first time around, but um, Hideki and Casey both, um, Hideki was a really unlucky hitter, an okay shot into, reasonable shot into the green at 18 in the playoff. And it, it sat about a foot off the green. And without exaggeration, Hideki and his caddy were walking around within two feet of where the ball was and could not see it. <laughs> Um, it was that heavy there. So they finally found that he couldn't get up and down for par. So they, they were eliminated. They went to another hole. And I thought our boy Collard won it. He'd, he'd, hit, um, he'd hit this really ordinary tee ball and then, then did what Colin does and hit one that looked like he'd nearly jarred it. It probably made a divot about a foot past the hole and ended up two feet behind the hole or you know, back towards him. And I was already putting the medal around his neck. And then Mito hit one pretty much exactly the same. And someone else hit one two feet outside of that. And, um, yeah, in the end, he he, um, he didn't get it done. So, uh, yeah, CT Pan was the winner. And it was good because the, the two women that were playing today in the women's event were out there and pouring bottles of water on him. And, yeah, it was really good to see. It was he, he really, you could see it was something that really meant a lot to him, which was really good. So he didn't uh, escape uh, national service, so he doesn't have to worry about any of that or anything like that. It's no, just the other guys. No. Uh, yeah, okay. The other boys, yeah, they missed and they, um, yeah. Well, I know Sungjae's back in. He's playing back in the FedEx this week. I'm not sure. I don't know where um, Siwoo is this week, and he might be around as well. So I heard that there was a podcast that uh, talks about Rory Sabatini a bit and rated him fairly highly as a chance. 
What happened there? I, I, I won't lie. When when Rocket said he was picking Rory Sabatini, I <laughs> just assumed he got his Rory's mixed up because um, I couldn't have had him. He was uh, when on my ratings that I looked at. I think of the players from coming out of the PGA Tour, he was ranked third last. <laughs> and um, yeah, he was blistering on Sunday. What I think he shot sixty one or not? Sun, maybe it was Sunday. I can't remember what day it was now. But yeah, sixty one is going to going to charge you up the leaderboard and. Xander needed a, a really solid up and down so that it wasn't a gold medal playoff between the two of them. Um, you, yeah, very impressive. You couldn't have picked it. Like, <laughs> like you know, I, I, if if you two said to me, Ross, you've got to choose one or the other, you know, the, my way being Rocket's way, the Rory way, or your way being the articulate, you know, considered statistical and analysed and uh, formulaic pr- approach, I would have clearly gone on your side of that yeah. team, uh, Mike. <laughs> Uh, it's but, funny though, like that that sums up that sums up betting in general, but betting on golf. So the guy who won, I think he ranked either number one or number two in my stat model, which was Xander, mm. and the guy that finished silver, and they were clearly the best two. He finished, he was ranked third third last. <laughs> so it's it's the difference in it's what they talk about a lot in 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 that strokes gain stuff. If you're if you have a good week in your worst stat, you're a really solid chance to have a great week because it's the one thing you kind of don't. All your other stuff kind of always stays the same. And and I always use Hideki as the example. Hideki's the sort of golfer that is an exceptional golfer across the board, but his putting really lets him down. But when he has a good week with the putter, everything else stays exceptional. Mm. So he or he has really good weeks those weeks. But in all seriousness, like stats aside, like tell me I'm wrong. Rory's pulled one out from. He's pulled a blinder. Like I, I don't yeah. know what other silver medals in Olympic history have come from from nowhere. <laughs> Ten back, no. But uh, he's pulled one out. But I, I suspect it's the power of Rocket. I agree. It's, I mean, I know Rocket's not here because he's he's unwell. But I still, I'm not convinced he's not been on a five day bender with his winning <laughs> and picking him at 250 to one. It's it's the power of the Rocket. He he's usurped my you know weak and feeble claims that if you play if you get paired with me in a pro am that you will go on to win. Uh, if Rocket's on board. Uh, you will do great things. And Rory Sabatini, the boy from Bruntislava, that's not our saying, that's Fried Egg's saying. Um, yep. That was unbelievable to see. It was, to see it was and, unbelievable. And so much love for him. You know, like we, we, he, he's a character and, you know, we love having a bit of a sort of giggle at, uh, you know, his defection from his native homeland to Slovenia where his wife's from. And, you know, you go through the Twitters and, and people mm. questioning, you know, why, how can you do that and, and why would you do that? And you know, it shouldn't be allowed. And what? Well, it happens in most sports. Yeah. You know that you can, you know, nominate for a country that you've lived in that you've taken residency of. You can go and play and represent for that country. If you've got yeah. grandparents, you know, or not even, um, you know, rugby is a is a great sport where uh, the former captain, uh, captain Scotland rugby union team for a very short period of time was English. Yeah. His parents were English. His grandparents were English, but one grandparent on one side, I think, and I could be, you know, happy to be corrected, but one of his couple of, couple down the line um, relatives were from the Channel Islands. If you had a relative from the Channel Islands, you could nominate to play and represent any country in the, in the British Isles. He just so happened to follow his coach from his club team to Scotland and mm. his, his club coach put him into the Scotland team and he became the captain of Scotland. Yeah. He didn't have any, a Scottish bone in his body, <laughs> and it's because he nominated because he was. So th- these things happen, and no, exactly. Rory Sabatini, good luck to you, mate. 
Oh, I, I agree. Look, I think it was, I think it's madness what he did. I absolutely do. And I think he's obviously done it to go to the Olympics, which is, I find mad. Vindication. But, he's, but he had to go and do it. Like he had to go and still beat everybody. Like it's not like, it's not like by getting there, he got given a silver no. medal. The bloke had to go there and beat, you know, 75 other golfers. And some of them were, you know, Colin Morikawa, who'd won the, the Open Championship the week before. <laughs> some so of those done pretty well. Some of the memes going around with him, you know, on kayaks and, you know, all the other Slovenian, uh, um, you know, sports have been yeah. very, very funny. Uh, the ladies, uh, the women uh, played this week. Teed off this today, this morning. What was the, um, the course format? Did they have it playing long, or did they shorten it up a bit? Not sure. Have I didn't get to watch too much of it. I saw about two minutes of highlights, and that was about it. Um, Minji was even, and Hannah Green was even as well. Um, the leader is Madeline Sagstrom. She was five under. Nelly Quarters up there at four. Um, yeah, it looks pretty similar spread to the way the first round of the men's happened. You know, a couple of players around that four fives, uh, and then you know, most you know fourth and threes and twos and ones. So, you'd say anyone, you know, the Aussies are certainly still in it. Uh, I think the biggest concern for them is going to be there was talk tonight that they've been given a letter um, saying they might shorten to three rounds. Um, purely on the back of conditions are just too hot. Um, it's been about 43 degrees, <laughs> not exactly ideal for walking that golf course in any sort of humidity. So I think they've sort of said if it continues or they get any sort of um, stoppages, there's a chance it will go 54 holes instead of 72, yeah, right. which, which doesn't help anyone trying to come from behind, obviously. No. Uh, is it too late to have a forecast and, and say, suggest a winner? Yeah. Uh, can suggest a winner that you can't have Nelly Quarter or Madeline Sagstrom. <laughs> okay. Who, who would you like? <laughs> Give me who, who else can run through. Who's who's the record? Yeah, yeah. um, sorry, I don't know the, uh, the the field. I should. But I don't no, know. you're right. Matilda Castron, Aditi Ashok, uh, Jin Yunko, Carlotta, Saganda, Bianca Pagdanagnan. Inby Park, uh, who are some of the big names down here? Danielle Kang's there, Se Young Kim, Min Lee. Uh, there's a few. Lydia Ko. Who's the, who's the English team? The English team, not towards the top, I can tell you that much. Unless I've missed them. Uh, Mel Reed. Oh, yeah. I like Mel uh, Reed. I think Mel Reed's. Mel Reed and Jody Hewitt Shadoff, the two playing for. GBI. Why can't I go with the court? I think GBR. The, sorry, not GBI. I think I think the young quarter. Why you can have the young quarter. She's she's um, Nelly's second. She's four under. She's she's obviously um, pole position. Um, I did have a very small bet on the tournament before it started, and my bet is on Patty. Patty, and I always mess up her surname. Tavatanakat. Tavatanakat. So she's sitting at even with uh, the two Aussies. Okay. Well, good luck to you, Patty, and good luck to Minji uh, and uh, and Hannah. Yeah, Hannah's done well. I look, she's I know Evans in the mix. It's you know she's midfield at twenty third, but she doubled her third hole today. So uh, to fight back to even was a really good finish. Uh, and a very congratulatory shout out to probably the greatest woman to play the game, in my opinion. Happy to be challenged, Annika Sorenstam. Yes, that's her why to why win in the. US Women's Open. Sensational. Yeah. How good is she? She 
She is a great golfer. I saw a little snippet the other day. It must have been from the tournament that she and Heinrich had um, co-hosted a couple of months ago. In Sweden, yep. Yeah, and they had a they had a closer to the pin challenge, and I don't think that they were necessarily super close. Like, they, I've got a funny feeling he might have even had a hybrid in his hand, and they were trying to hit one close, this little tight tucked pin to the left, and um, I think he hit about two or three shots, and he thought they were all pretty good, and they were pretty good, and then she had her first shot and put it to about five feet, and she's like, they're like, all right, well, challenge is over. She's she's clearly beaten me here. If anyone can find that video, it's very funny. Go and find it. Um, what a great golfer from Sweden. Certainly put uh, Swedish golf on the map. But before Annika Sorenstam, was she, no, she, was she the, first, the first winner from Sweden on any tour, men and women's? Or was my, my guy Gabriel Hertzstedt the first winner of a, scene, of a big tour oh, from, from say, Sweden? Um, the only two that I come up with straight away are Jesper Parnovic and Per... Her Ulrich Johansson, was that his name? They're know. the two that always come up with straight away. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, Jess would have won the tournament, surely. He won the Honda Classic, I'm sure. Because I reckon every time the Honda Classic came around, I always used to think, the bloke in the bike hat goes okay here. No, well, Gabriel Hertzstep was definitely from uh, episode, I'm giving plugs to my own podcast here, but uh, that's <laughs> that's what we do. Uh, episode 105, you can listen to Gabriel Hertzstep, who was Sweden's first ever male winner on the PGA Tour, before yes, Papanovic, before. There you go. Her, whose name we, I forget, and uh, before Henry Stenson, obviously. Um, there you go. But well done, Annika Sorensen. She was a female uh, women golfer hero of mine. Uh, looked up to her and, and certainly Carrie Webb. Uh, she was great. I loved Annika. Mm. Okay. What else? We got anything else? Any other alternative events that we need to? No, this week they're playing, uh, yeah, the, the, the FedEx, FedEx St. Jude. Of course. Yeah, so the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis. So it'll be. Um, It'll be pretty hot. I think it's going to be about thirty degrees every day, so it'll be a, be a uh, an interesting tournament. I think to watch because it is a Fed, it is a um, WGC, so it is only the top you know sixty seventy players there. Herbie's there. Yep. Uh, Minwoo's there. So um, yeah, it'll be a hopefully a good watch. So what's um, what's the qualification to get into this one? Just to remind everyone. I can't remember. It, I mean, it would it'd be on. Um, it'd be the, normally the World Golf Championships are on their ratings, obviously in your world standings. But then they sort of go and pick off around the tours around the world. So if you finished maybe first on the Jap or first two on the Japanese tour plus the Australasian tour, might get a spot there and the money leader from the year prior and things like that. So how it gets selected? Yep. So that'd be Wade would be there from his you know, Asian tour status. I'd, I'd imagine, and Herbie's there from his world ranking, and Minwoo from his win. Mm. Uh, but good, good field from it. Good uh, Australian field. So we've got Wade, uh, Herbie, Adam, Cam Smith, Leash, Maddie Jones, Minwoo, uh, Cam Davis. Strong, mm. pretty strong. You'd have to, you'd have to have a, uh, an Aussie in the factorings uh, there somewhere in your mix, mix up. Would you not, Mike? Uh, my top ranked Aussie coming up on the modeling that I did is a long way down the list, to be honest. It's Cam Smith. He's coming up at 27th, which is not miles down, I suppose. It's he certainly hits the ball. You know, this week I'm looking at ball striking, um, greens in reg over at certain distances, how they're hitting into some greens. He's ranked 24th in ball striking, so obviously it's one of his, one of his, um, the key things that he's good at. Sorry, looking at the wrong bike then. I was looking at Stuart Sink, my other, my other favourite player. Um, he's 31st ranked from 125 to 150. He's only about, he's middle of the range price-wise, um, but he finished 12th here last year. 
um, on the um, when they moved courses. Uh, so yeah, new tournament. So I'm, I'm, I think um, Cam Smith's my best Aussie, but um, the guys that are at the top are the guys that have sort of um, fit the course well and play well here. So Daniel Berger, Webb Simpson, and, and Abe Answer. Um, and I think TPC Southwind has always been a really good tour course for Phil from his from memory. I reckon Phil won it one or one or played very well here through the years as well. Uh well you know I have no idea on any of those stats uh and I do not pick in relation to, to stats. Uh I don't have a lot of um uh many jobs to do on here but there is one one job that I do and that's to pick a top Scott. Uh yes. two in the field so I'm having I've got the fifty fifty. Uh I'm certainly and certainly gonna go with uh, Bobby McIntyre. Bobby Mack, yeah, he's back over there again. And uh, I'll go for Bobby Mack as top lefty. Uh, I'll just quickly apologise to Brad Kennedy, who I left out of uh, announcing uh, as an Australian in the field. Uh, good luck to you, Brad. Um, but I will have – can you put me in for Louis and Westie yep. Yep. to finish top ten? Yeah, I like it. Louis, Louis actually ranks fourth. Yeah, I was behind, going, I was just behind a, the three guys that I picked. I was just about to say Louis to finish higher and most likely inside the top five. So Louis inside top five, Westy yep. and Louis inside top ten. I don't know if you can get a bet on that, but if you can put twenty cents each way, because um, I'm responsible, uh, I'm sure you can. Okay. There'd be no doubt about it. You'd be able to find uh, they'd be they'd be offering top five somewhere. I'm sure. Actually, I can tell you exactly what it is. Your mate Louis is five dollars to finish top five. And what was what did you want Westy for top five as well or top ten? Top ten. Now you're making me work here. Uh, I need to find a top ten for you. Oh, here we go. The top ten Westy is coming in at six fifty. So they're not bad bets. Yeah, take those. They reasonable field. Rosie. Yeah, amazing field. It cool. is. And look, it's good as you as you'd expect. It's we're coming in, into the, the the final stretch. There's a lot of money here. Ten and a half million. Ten and a yeah. half million. Um. So, yeah, there's no excuses. Most of them had the week off. A lot of the guys from the Olympics have shot back for it, which tells you if they're flying from Tokyo to, to Memphis, um, there's a solid chance there's some really good money on, on the cards for them if, they, if they're getting out of bed for that. Right, well, I'm looking forward to seeing some of that golf back on TV. Good luck to all the Aussies. Good luck to you, Herbie. Uh, I think Herbie might um, – yeah, I think he's got some other events after this. I think he might be, but uh, yep. we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure, exactly sure. But uh, that's good. Mike, if there's nothing else, is there anything else? Have we got, forgotten anything? No, the Barracuda's on, but we don't need to go through that. That one's the secondary tour, secondary event. So, no, we're done, mate. Okay. Who will win the Barracuda? Just have a pick one, pick someone, because everyone's listening for the tips. That's um, My top three are Grillo, Bo Hogue, and we'll say Adam Schenk, because I like his name. There you go. Adam Schenk. Perfect name for a golfer, Schenk. I uh, had a quick uh, half a bucket of balls on the way past uh, PK on the range there before it rained this afternoon, and I may yep. have had a couple of Adam Schenks uh, in my right. unwarm status. I uh, I did the same in my le- – oh, so I didn't have many I – did, I only had one in my lesson but uh, last Friday, but there was one at one point where, yeah, our, our, our mate down at uh, Baden at, down at Albert Park did have uh, – both did have quite a laugh. It was good. How was it going? Any break it was good. Any breakthroughs? Uh, I was more just polishing back up after a couple of weeks of not hitting golf balls. So it was okay. I've had a bit of practice in, in, in the middle, which was good. And at my gym, I did the, um, I don't know if anyone's ever done this before, but I did the Titleist Fitness. TPI? So, yep. Yeah. T- TPI screen. Yeah, I've done the TPI screen with uh, Ollie Orn from Fit Golf. Uh, shout out yeah. to Ollie. He's a good fella. How'd there you go? You go. 
I was okay. I thought I did okay. Um, reasonably flexible. He said, um, he said, yeah, so he goes, this will sort of give you what your, your fitness handicap is for golf. I said, okay. He said, it's 18. I said, it doesn't sound like I did too well. <laughs> so, so we've got a bit to work on. Uh, we should, um, you've just given me another idea for some more uh, interesting or interesting to me and hopefully interesting to you and maybe interesting to the people at, the three people that tune in each week. Um, I should go. We should we should do a bit of a fitness journey. We should get on board and we should push each other. Are you in? Um, I've, I've been on it for. I've done the opposite to everyone else, mate. I'm in. I've been uh, since COVID started. I'm 11 kilos lighter than I was. So uh, this. this <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, that? Oh, the ice cream. A bull, no, oh, that's pro- ice cream. that's probably Murray a. Street. That's probably a um, competitive product of yours. No, no, Buller Buller. Buller makes ice cream. I don't know if they don't know if they make cheese, but no, they're not my competitor. Well, for the people that can't see what I'm doing because we're on a Zoom, uh, I'm showing Mike how committed I am to the fitness journey because I'm holding up the packet uh, from the uh, Murray ice cream that I devoured as we were setting all of this up. Uh, okay, Mike, I'm in. I'm going to re-pull out the TPI screen that I did. We're going to compare TPI screen notes and we'll, we might get Ollie back on and just give everyone an update on what TPI screening is all about and, uh, and we might get amongst it. Love it. Okay, I'm in. Everybody? Thanks for listening. Rocket, if you've tuned in this far to your own podcast, thanks for tuning in this far. Uh, if anyone else tuned in this far, you know, like, share, subscribe. Everyone that does uh, send us a note and corrects us or you know, posts something that says thanks that they've listened, we do really, really appreciate that. Big things are happening. Um, there, there is some stuff in the pipeline and uh, you know, namely we've got some T-shirts coming uh, for me, you and Rocket, uh, the black ones. I went with the black with the, the thing on it. People did think that that was Rocket's um, modelling career kicking off uh no it wasn't rocket it was his stunt double but yeah thanks for everyone who uh voted on on which t-shirts that we should get out um so we'll get those for the summer what do you reckon yeah i'm in all right love it i'll send us off uh rocketless but uh i'll send us off with rocket's music thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week